been to the Bahamas more than most poker players. I started going there in, I think, 2006. The good old days. So, what I did, because I'm going to the Bahamas in about a month to play the World Series of Poker events, is I went through all of my caches in the Hinden Mob at the Bahamas, and we're going to go through and walk through those experiences. If you all have any questions, comments, whatever, feel free to type them. I'm happy to interact here with all of you. You can check out the World Series of Poker schedule. Just go to WSOP.com. It'll be a lot of fun. So, first things first. For those who do not know, you can look through any poker player's results, at least tracked live tournaments, on thehindenmob.com. You can just Google Hinden Mob and a poker player's name. It'll come right up. If this show is working, by the way, let me know. Say hello. And anyway, I scrolled all the way back to the bottom to January 2006. Long time ago. That's actually not when I had my first cash in the Bahamas. That was actually in May 2006 when I was 21 years old and about four months. So what in the world is this first tournament? It was a $5,200 buy-in tournament. By the way, people say hello, please, if you are here, because no one is talking in the chat. Either the chat's broken or we're not streaming properly. I hope it's just the chat being broken, and I hope we are streaming properly. We're on just some weird delay. Give me just one second to try to figure this out. Uh -huh. It looks like we are streaming well. Okay, well, hopefully we're working. Hopefully we're working. Okay. The first time I went to the Bahamas, it was a lot of fun. I think it was, whose idea was this? It must have been Tom Dwan's. It was a $5,000 buy-in tournament put on by Paradise Poker, which is a site that I don't think exists anymore. And we were going to go have fun. None of us had qualified to play it or anything like that, but we were going to go. It was me and a few other good players you may know rooming in a room together. It was me. Tom Dwan, Shannon Shore, Peter Jetton, and Andrew Robel. Us five were rooming in a room that had four beds total, two adjoining rooms. I learned, uh, <laughs> I learned that in the Bahamas, it's often good to tip people. That'll get a lot of stuff done. I learned that, uh, you know, the, the venue is interesting and fun. And I had a great time. I was the only one who cashed the tournament. I cashed for $5,000 on my $5,200 buy-in. Let me see if I have this pulled out. Do I have this pulled out? No, I do not have this pulled up. Let's, let's, I just want to look at this payout structure because it must have been absurd. First place was 500,000 bucks. Brian Malkazuski. I do not know who, who Brian is. Sorry, Brian. Do I know anyone who made a good run here? Oh, Steve Bella, Bellarakis, Mr. Smokey. I don't know what he's not up to, but uh, there you go. Look at this. I cashed Stone, last place, they got in the money. I don't remember how this went down, but I can probably guarantee you, back then, $5,000 was a lot of money to me. I wanted to get a cash, I'm sure, and, um, well, we got it. Very odd, though, to see in the money paying the same amount as the buy-in. Now, you may ask, why would any casino want to do that? Well, logically, if a lot of people satellite it in, and in this tournament, probably... 95% of the people satellited in, uh, minimum cash is actually a lot. And I think this is probably not a bad thing for sites 
to do when a lot of people do satellite in. Because for a lot of people, they're in the tournament for 100 bucks or something like that, right? And if people are in the tournament for 100 bucks and they cash for 5,000, that's a huge success. Now, from a professional poker player's point of view, you, I, want these tournaments to be winner take all. Why? Because as a good player, you are slightly more likely or maybe a lot more likely to win the tournament than everybody else. You don't really care about the minimum caches. It is what it is. But if you do play a tournament, you need to recognize what the payout structure is. So that's that. That was my first time in the Bahamas. About seven months later, I went back for an $8,000 buy-in WPT PCA tournament. Now it's a World Series tournament by GG Poker. They've, they've swapped it up a little bit. But I took fifth place for 317000 bucks. That was a good score. Here are the people who won. I think maybe I can make this bigger. Let's see. Can I make this a little bit better? Uh, it's as big as they want it to go. Well, it'll have to do. First place in the tournament, Ryan Doubt. For those who do not know Ryan Doubt, Ryan Doubt is a super crusher in life now. Back then, he was a super crusher poker. He won 1.5 million bucks. Second place, Isaac Haxton. Some of you know Isaac Haxton. He's had upswings. He's had downswings. He's been a crusher for forever. He did great. Also, Robert Ford in third. Robert Mizraki, Michael Mizraki's brother. I think he's known to be a bit more of a mixed game player than a No Limit Hold'em player, but he did great. Fourth place. There's me in fifth. And Frank Rusnick in sixth place. Also, notable people here that I'm just going to go through. Scott Clements in eighth. John Friedberg, ninth. Justin Bonomo. Mario Silvestri. You know, like nice, good list of poker players. Going through here. Steve Paul Ambrose, he actually won the tournament before. Probably a good good sweat for him. Anyway, at this final table, I presumed this would be my only chance to have any sort of amazing run. Because in reality, I knew how variance worked. I had uh, not... I mean, I'm trying to think how I even done in, li in live poker. So this was about a year after I started playing live poker. And as you can see from way back here at these results, in 2006, I had... This many caches. I want you to just look at the total amount of caches this is, okay? In 2006, when I was starting to play a decent amount of poker, well, I cashed for about, what is this? 30,000 bucks, 40,000 bucks. 30 or 40,000 bucks is not a lot of money over a year. And I actually got crushed. I got super duper crushed over the course of the first year. And that's not good. That's uh, that's um, demoralizing. That's rough. But at the same time, I thought I had a nice edge in the games. I was studying a lot. I was surrounding myself by a lot of the best players. And, you know, I kept at it. However, this was my first big cash, right? Here it is. First first decent cash, 317000 bucks. And I realized that this is a presumably very rare opportunity, right? And I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. But at the final table, I was just convinced everyone was going to try to run in the same bluffs. I'll tell you why. Because Ryan Doubt gets after it and Isaac Haxon gets after it. <laughs> These two players are not afraid. Especially Isaac Haxon. Back in the day, I had this theory that he would, um, he would uh, run an insane bluff every level or so. He cannot help himself. And so, don't fold to him. However, I ended up calling it off. I think I had Ace-King and the flop was like Ace-Queen-10. Knight Ace King. Obviously a very good hand. I'm not trying to fold or anything, but I got her on land against King Jack of someone. I forget who it was. And I actually spiked uh, a Jack, I guess, to not lose. I, I vaguely remember that. And 
that's kind of crazy, right? And then I ended up taking fifth place instead of six. But I went in there with this dumb mindset of, I think these players are going to try to run me over. I'm simply not going to fold anything decent at all. And that's bad, right? I was a young, dumb kid. I want to preface all this with, this was 2006. I didn't know anything about anything. And important to note, we had a lot of shout-outs in the chat. Shout-out to Saeed for winning 5K in the $50 tournament this Sunday. Also, Louis Philippe on a nice run. Shout-out to Eric for taking second in the Bounty King Jr. Nice, nice, nice. What is this 7,800 plus 200? I presume this was the rake. Um, maybe. It, I, I, I don't know. That, that is what the, this number normally indicates is the rake. That sounds incredibly low. I will say, though, a lot of the time when you go to play a tournament series put on by an online poker site, back in the day, the rake would be very, very minimal. Because for a lot of these companies, these tournaments are promotions to some extent. They want to make a good TV show. They want to get lots of people paying attention to their games. And they realize they're going to make no money on these events or maybe even lose money on these events. And they don't care because they have a lot of money to spend and a great way to make people loyal to your site is to give them a good time and give them money. You do those two things, they will like you. I learned this a long time ago, which is why with a lot of my projects that I do, I try to give people fun and I try to give people money. If you give them both, they will love you. And you know, a lot of people loved Poker Stars for a long time before they dropped the ball here and there. And um, we won't talk about that today. They actually have an NAPT series happening right now. I was considering getting up and going, but the buy-ins were a little bit small. So I'm going to the World Series instead. The buy-ins are much bigger. We're going to go through that in a minute. So uh, do I have any fun hands from this? Well, look, that King Jack hand was ridiculous where I had Ace King against the King Jack on Ace Queen 10 and I got there to not take sixth place. I remember there was another spot where I had Kings. I don't remember how it went down, but like on the river, the board was something like ace, ace, king, 10, six. And on the river, when like my opponent bet, I raise and they shoved all in for a lot. And I was talking to my good friend Shannon Shore about this hand at the end of the day. And he's like, man, I probably would have folded there. Because to be fair, when it goes bet, raise, shove all in on ace, ace, king, 10, six, or whatever it was, what do you think they have, right? They're going to show up with ace, 10, a lot. Maybe ace-king, maybe ace-six, whatever. But in my mind, back then, everyone was just kind of putting their money in the pot. And this was for like 100 big blinds or something, like a lot of chips, and there were maybe 20 people left or something like that. And um, I called, and he had ace-jack for just drastically overplayed ace. Or maybe he was bluffing. I don't think he was bluffing. I think it was just a drastically overplayed ace. So that was cool. By the way, if any of you have any questions as we go through this, feel free to type them in. Thank you all for being here. If you like today's show, click the like and subscribe button. I know this is a little bit different. Not really poker strategy so much as story time, reminiscing, enjoying the past. And hopefully we'll be enjoying the future. There was actually another hand deep in this tournament where I think we were 12 left. There must have been some payout jump. Yeah, take a look at this payout jump, right? 59,000 to 77,000. Nice steep payout jumps here. And I remember I was playing this hand against Scott Clements, who I did not know, but I knew he was like good, strong player. A little bit on the, I would say he's on the tighter side compared to how people were back then, because back then some people were just massively blasting. And there was this hand where I think I four bet him all in with 12 left. Like he must have raised, I must have three bet, or no, I raised, he three bet, maybe I five bet all in, because I didn't know what I was doing either. So I must have raised, he no, he raised, I three bet, he four bet, I five bet shoved with ace queen offsuit. And he tanked for forever. 
and he folded ace king which is probably not a good fold against me back then if i'm ripping it in with the ace uh queen offsuit and god knows what else but that was another good break too you're gonna find that whenever you make deep runs in tournaments you're probably gonna have good breaks and that is good this is the tales from the live felt stream indeed indeed kevin smith hello good morning nice to see all your friendly faces in the chat okay so look that was it i ended up taking fifth place i don't know how i lost it doesn't really matter but i mean you'll learn from this that my memory is terrible <laughs> and i thought that was it i thought i was literally never gonna have a chance to do well at poker again in a big field tournament because i fully recognize that you just don't get all that many chances luckily for me though that was right here january 2007 in May 2007, I won a million bucks. So that's good. First year of playing live poker, I cashed for about $40,000. Second year, I'm already at like 1.5 or something like that. So that's that's good. That's good, good, good. I also took second place in a 3K between uh, in between those two. So that, that was good as well. Oh, I remember I, this when I actually chopped it with JC Tran because uh, he wanted player of the year points. I don't know anything about player of the year. Turns out this chop got him the player of the year and it made me like number four or something instead of number three. Not that it really matters for me, but I want him the player of the year because he chopped and wanted the win. And I said, sure. And he paid me some equity. We were like, he had two thirds of the chips. I had one third of the chips. And the way the prize pool, the prize pool was like this. So we agreed to chop it correctly. Two thirds, one third. But I think it was 25,000 of the prize pool was designated to be a $25,000 seat to the main event. So we agreed to chop that 50-50. But if I have a third of the chips, he has two thirds of the chips, obviously he should own two thirds of that, right? So I got a little bit of a bonus there. Let me get, let me calculate. How much of a bonus is that? So I got 12.5, but I was supposed to get 25 times 0.33 equals. So I was supposed to get this. So I got paid 4,000 bucks to make the deal, give or take. And that's fine, right? I mean, I, back then, I, I'm sure JC Train probably would have crushed me. Heads up. Who knows? Anyway, I was very happy with that deal. Look at that. Scotty Wynn. Third place. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So in this stretch, I was just like sun running, obviously. So May 2007, well, all, the, all of early 2007, I was like winning every hand, clearly. Clearly winning every hand. I remember I took seventh place here in Biloxi. I got it all in with queens. I actually doubled up every person at the final table. I got to the final table with half the chips. And the one that really got me, I lost with queens to queen eight suited. Pre-flop. He flopped a literal straight flush right off the bat. October 2007. Sun running again. 738000 bucks. Literally winning every hand. And then that was the end of all my good run. So I had one good year, 2007. <laughs> there, were, there were some big scores in. Another one in 2008 for a million. So, you know, we, we, we ran hot. But I was on fire for a while. Now, a lot of people look at that and think, oh my God, you must have been the best player. You must have some giant edge on your opponents back then. Maybe I did. Other people look at that and think, ah, oh, just super lucky player, you know, running hot. But if you look at any player of the year race, you're going to find that every single year someone runs ungodly hot. And often they're playing well. If you play well and you run ungodly hot, you are going to do well at poker tournaments. Just how it goes. Was Ace Queen off? What Ace Queen offsuit wasn't the bottom of your five bet shove range? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I have a, a bad memory to like how people played back in the day, but I do know that for a while I had this theory, which you know theories matter to some extent, but they're also kind of dumb. 
if they don't have good backing. I had this theory that people love to reapply pressure until they couldn't before the flop. And so I remember back in the day, I was, I was playing a lot online and I would just always four bet all in. Like it's, if I raised somebody three bet and I had any ace or king, I would just four bet it all in. And they would fold a lot and it went a lot of hands. And that was good. All right. What happened next? I had no good cash at the PCA for a while. Something else that has occurred for me and for a lot of other people is I've ran well at some places and I've ran poorly at some places. And for example, the World Series of Poker, where I'm going to go, I've ran pretty badly. Now, at the end of the day, in my mind, all these tournaments are kind of the same, right? The only difference is what they name it. And I don't really care what a tournament's named at the end of the day. So look, you have to realize that just because I've ran super hot on, let's say, exactly the World Poker Tour or exactly at specific venues does not mean anything. I think a lot of people really get wrapped up in this idea of, oh, you're good at these tournaments, but not these tournaments. But look, there's a lot of variance. You got to put in volume. And at the end of the day, volume does cure variance. So anyway, no good cash at the PCA for a while or the Bahamas for a while. Back in the day, the PCA was the only series that existed in the Bahamas to some extent. Then we have to fast forward. To January 2014, we have a question from John. After you won the 300K, did you find that you took a much bigger percentage of yourself in tournaments? Or if I my percentage of bigger buy-in tournaments went up, I'd actually made a deal with Tom Dewan to back me in tournaments. We had an interesting deal that would roughly last for one year. Seems like he was running. He was made a good decision here. I, like I said, I kind of brick cityed for a while here. So I talked to my friends. Tom was backing some players. He wanted to back me. He started backing me in December 2006. <laughs> Good for him. We eventually ended our deal, et cetera, et cetera. But he had the action. He had a lot of this nice, nice uh, 2007, 2007 year. And, you know, good for him. And the goal was, like, he was going to put me in all the big tournaments. I mean, the first tournament I played was a 15K. And, I mean, if you go back and look at my results, I was not playing 15Ks back then. I mean, I guess I, guess I had some 10Ks and stuff sprinkled in here. But, like, I want to see to this one. This one was a fun party. So I went from playing maybe 3K average buy-in to 10K average buy-in right off the bat. And, you know, that's fine and good. I have no problem with that. Anyway, fast forward to 2014. Looks like I took fourth place in a 2K. Honestly, we're about to look at the results of this. I have no recollection of this tournament at all right now as I talk about it. But let's see who's at the final table. Maybe I'll remember something. Uh, look at Scott Clements again. Unknown player. Okay, unknown player took second. Danny Stregler took first. I don't know who Danny is. I'm sorry, Danny. That looks to be one of Danny's only caches, okay? So fun fun final table here. Nick Grippo, Calvin Anderson. Calvin Anderson is still around, super crusher. But yeah, Scott Clements grinding it out. I, don't, I haven't seen Scott Clements in a while. I know he has some kids. Turns out having kids takes a lot of time. He's still playing some, it looks like, at the World Series. Okay, he's around. Anyway, I don't remember this tournament at all. However, fourth place in a 2K, 29K, fine and good. Nothing fancy. Next, second place in a 5K. I actually remember this one. This was a tournament that was a turbo, and it was the day before the main event. So the main event was taking place, and I remember I chopped this one with Nick Petrangelo, I think. Let's go take a look. Yeah, here, I chopped this with Nick Petrangelo, and we agreed to not play heads up. Now look, back then, 
I was very confident in my heads up skills. I was playing $1,000 buying heads up games successfully online with a nice ROI. So I uh, felt good about my spot. However, why would I want to chop? Well, he must be giving me something. He had a few more chips than me, and we agreed to do one hand, all in, winner got the trophy. And the win, the win. Notice here they actually did uh, account for our chip stack, right? So he didn't pay me any money, but he gave me a bit of equity in the flip for the bracelet or what trophy or whatever it is. So that's something. Also, I knew he was a very strong player back then. I mean, this was, when was this? 2000, 2000 something, what I decided it was. 2015. So he was like on a nice upward trajectory. Let's take a look at his stats. This might have actually been one of his first good scores. He's obviously super duper crusher since then. So notice, um, first good score for him was in 2012. Then 2014. So 2014, he was starting to heat up. So like right here, notice this is his first 100K score. So he had like not had a ton of success yet. Very new player. And, but, but I recognize he's like a good, strong online player. So I, I felt fine with the chop in terms of like skill, right? Despite the fact that I was doing quite well in heads up games online, I don't know why. I always like, I haven't played a ton of heads up beyond exactly heads up sit and goes, but if you think about it, that's really what heads up live in a tournament is. It's like a heads up sit and go. I should not feel that I lack, I should lack confidence against anyone really. I play perfectly reasonably. Anyway, he gave me a little bit of equity in the flip and also it was like 2 a.m. and we had to play the next day at noon and I like to be on time. I think Nick is also someone who likes to be on time and we chopped. So fine and good. Look at this tournament. This is probably not a good tournament to play, honestly. We have Sergi Ryok. Sorry, I don't know how to play Sergi's name. Sergi must have been super young, because I think he's still young. He's also a super crusher now, $8.6 million. He must have been very young here. So he started playing probably when he was 18. He, was 19, he must have been 21. Where is this? So yeah, this is also one of his first little scores, 50K here. He had another 50k score before. Now he's super duper crusher. It's fun to see all these super duper crushers coming out of this time period. You know, like back then, none of us had great success yet. Igor Kurganov. Igor's obviously super crusher as well. 18 million in caches. What a rough tournament. He was also relatively young, but he he hopped right in there and, and got in there battling hard, as you see already. 1.4 million cash. He was doing it. Andrew Chen still around crushing. Eric Seidel. Who else we got? Elio Fox down here. Dan Heimiller for fun. Off the screen. Dan Heimiller for fun. So that's pretty cool. Hearing my stories is inspiring. Well, thank you. If you have any questions, feel free to ask. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to answer anything. You mash the thumbs up button. Thank you for mashing the thumbs up button. Anyway, I remember at this uh, final table, I was talking to Nick and he had told me that he had sold a bunch of action to... It was like a 25K happening. Like this is when Nick was like trying to push up, right? And he sold action to 25K and he asked me this question of, okay, I just got this extra 100K that I guess he had a lot of his action in or all of his action in. Should I cancel on the backers and say, sorry, I now want more of my action. And I think you can easily go either way with this, right? Um, if the backers have already sent you money, I, I think the definitive right thing is to just give them the action on this tournament. I think that's all you can really do. You don't have to, because you haven't played it yet. But I think you should definitely give them the action if they've literally sent you the money. If you have a tab with someone and they have not sent you the money, I think it gets a little bit looser, especially if they sometimes have your action and sometimes don't have your action. 
If um, you don't have a tab and they just haven't paid yet, then I think you can do whatever you want. You can definitely cancel. But I think the right thing to do if you are trying to get a backing deal or you may need long-term backing or whatever because you want to push up high and fast. Because like right here, you know, this is a $5,000 tournament and Nick wants to play this 25K in a few days. Uh, presumably he's going to want to play the 100Ks or whatever else is happening, right? Because you don't really go from being bankrolled playing 5Ks to playing 100Ks overnight. It doesn't happen. You need the backers who trust you and want your action to like you a lot. And if you're known as someone who says, all right, I'm going to play this tournament, but then you have a bit of a score and then you just cancel on them, I think that's not a good look. So I don't know what Nick did. I presume he just gave him the action. I recommended he give him the action back then. And um, But it's an interesting, interesting dilemma, right? Because quite often people sell action for a whole series or for each individual tournament of a series. And certainly people can cancel on playing the tournament for whatever reason. Like, you know, you get sick or you make day three of a tournament or whatever. But I think in general, you should not be canceling once you've already sold. If, if you're going to play it anyway, I think that's probably bad. Don't forget to mention my biggest score meeting my wife. Oh my gosh, I mean, I completely forgot about that. Let's rewind. Let's rewind. Right here, I had no good caches at the PCA until 2014. But I actually met my current wife, my only wife, hopefully my only wife I ever have, in the Bahamas. It was her last day there for a New Year's Eve trip. And it was my first day there to play the tournament series. And all the pros back then knew you need to wire your money in ahead of time in order to get it because they would always lose it. Not lose it, but misplace it. So I wired in my money. I walked from my nice hotel room on this end of the casino to the, turn the tournament venue way down here. It's like a mile. It's like a mile long walk. I go down there. They don't have my money, obviously. And they say, come back in a few hours. Fine. I was either going to go back to my room, take a mile walk and sit down for five minutes and come back. Or what actually happened is Jonathan Jaffe, current poker coach and coach, I love him so much. He was playing a $100 buy and sit and go with him, three of his heads up friends. So four guys, their four girlfriends and me. Okay. Four guys, four girls and me. So we're playing this $100 sit and go for fun, having a good time, right? It was just to pass the time essentially. And then... A girl comes up behind me. She was a girl then, now she's a woman. And she looked very out of place. And clearly she did not, like she did not know anyone at the table, right? Normally when anyone stands behind someone else at a poker table, they know that person, right? And they're there with them. But in this odd scenario, I knew that those four guys were four girls. So I turn around, we talk a little bit. I punt the tournament away. We go out to a quick dinner. She has to leave. She's going back to New York that night. And, uh, you know, whatever. Thought it, thought it was just a nice, fun encounter. And we kept in touch through the internet back in the day, whatever platform we used back then. And one of my poker students, a guy, Steve Beglider, who final tabled the main event, he was having a charity tournament in New York City about three weeks later on this aircraft carrier here called the Intrepid. And he asked me if I would come out. And... I figured, why not go play the charity tournament? Why not go hang out with Amy and see how it goes? So I, I came here. I was spending far too much money for a hotel room. She said, why don't you just stay with me? So I did. And I did not move out. And that is how I met my wife in 2010. Now we're married. We have two kids. Everything is fine and dandy. 
these days, how do up-and-coming players find backing and staking deals? Seth, I would definitely recommend, well, I'll tell you how you get a backing deal and staking deal. You have really good results. Simple as that. Get really good results and you will get a staking deal. Have no results and you will not. No one wants to stake a loser. No one wants to stake a break-even player. Do I play online? Some. Would you play, play poker if you had to start now? Depends on what else I had going on. You have to understand that poker is an excellent opportunity for people who don't have a whole lot of opportunities. Um, if you already have a lot going on, though, then I would probably not recommend it, at least professionally. One of my wife's uh, co-workers, she's a lawyer. Uh, this guy was like super high up lawyer at an excellent law firm. And he was, you know, I, I don't know how much he was making. Say he's making half a million a year, maybe a million a year. But he was winning about a million a year from poker back then. And he asked me, should I quit my job and just play poker all the time? And my answer was a definitive no. Because first off, you could be running hot. Second, you um, the, the game may die, and it turns out the game actually died. And, you know, he did not quit. And he certainly didn't maximize his profitability from poker, but he also still has an excellent job, right? If you're someone with no real responsibilities, though, and you don't really have any amazing prospects, then sure, go for it. Like back whenever I got into poker, I was a kid. I had no wife or kids, right? I was going to college, but, you know, I could do that at any point. And um, I, did, I didn't really, really, really love what I was doing. So it was a no-brainer to go into poker. Plus, I was making a ton of money from it. Did you cash in that charity tournament? I have no idea if I cash in that charity tournament. It's easier to get staked on GG now. Yeah, so on GG, they actually have a staking platform to some extent where you can sell pieces online to various tournaments at whatever markup you want to set it at. And that's that. On uh, Poker Stake, that's the site where they do the same thing live. I sell action there, no markup to my fans, just for fun. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually go in and open up a few more percentages of maybe the main event of the World Series of Poker series I'm going to play. No markup, something like $10 maximum purchase, just so everybody can get a little sweat. I think I've already sold 100 $10 pieces. Does that sound right? I don't know. It sold like 10 or 20% or something just for the fun, for fun for the fans. So after this show is over, I'm going to go and run and do that really quick. You all can go to pokerstake.com, sign up, get some action. Okay. That's how I met my wife. 5k second place. Apparently I also took 31st place in a 25k. I don't really remember that at all. So this was in the same tournament series. I took 31st way down here. Look at how big this field was. They must've had what? 300 people. 200 only. Oh, 69 rebuys. Yeah, okay. Joe Cuther took a second place. All right, cool. Good for him. This guy, Alexi. Don't know how to say your last name. Sorry. He's always around crushing. Scott Seaver. Nick Petrangelo. Look at that. Nick Petrangelo did hop in the event. And I wonder if he's, uh, I wonder if he took that action back or not. That's fun. Is DraftKings still making this content? Most definitely. Lots of super crushers in this tournament, obviously. There's Igor again. Same people over and over and over. 31st place for me. I don't know how I busted this tournament. So yeah, that was 2015. 2018. I went there to commentate only. They gave me a sweet deal to go there and commentate for like six hours a day or eight hours a day or 10 hours a day. And I don't know if this was a good decision or not because this was the first year that there was a $25,000 buying tournament there with like a 10 million guarantee. So what is my ROI in a 
How many people is that? So if only 400 people, let me get my calculator. I'm so bad at math. 20, uh, I need to do 10 million, 10 million, it's a lot of money, divided by 25,000. Yeah, 400 people with a lot of the mean qualifiers. What is my ROI in that tournament? Let's say it's, I don't know, 30%. Maybe that's generous, maybe it's not. Well, that's 7,500 bucks right there or something like that, right? So that's 7,500 I would get paid to play the tournament. Also, I would um, play other tournaments, presumably, right? Or I could take a job. And by the way, then, if you took a job commentating, you could not play any poker. That was part of the rules in the Bahamas. They're, they're, they have interesting rules there sometimes. And I had a lot of fun commentating. It was a bit of a grind. I'm trying to think who else was commentating there. This uh, Griffin Van Benger and Maria Ho and somebody else. Was it, it was somebody else? I forget who it was. Their usual commentators as well, Joe Stapleton and uh, John Hennigan. John, John Hennigan, is that his name? My brain's broken. James Hennigan. James Hardigan? James Hardigan. Anyway, that was fun. It was a good time. It was an interesting experience because I, I never went out there to purely commentate, but they were trying to up the production level and it was, it was an amazing time. I think I would do it again as opposed to going out there to play purely because first it was a reasonable guaranteed win. They paid me, I forget what they paid me, but it was a decent amount. Less than I thought my ROI was, but still decent. Also, it's good for promotion of yourself, right? If you do a good job commentating, people will like it and hopefully look into your stuff. And... It was a good good way to mix it up. So that was cool. Then COVID happened at some point. And they didn't they didn't do much in the Bahamas until just recently, the beginning of this year. There were no tournaments in the Bahamas. Then the, uh, who was it? I think it was Stars again. They had the PCA again or PSPC or whatever they wanted to call it now. And this year, fourth place. An $1,100 tournament, ninth place in the main event. I thought I was going to win the main event for sure. Then I just didn't. Let's take a look at this fourth place tournament. This was a bizarre event. So I arrived to the venue. Ooh, look at the rake on this. You think they maybe changed the rake, huh? I will say, this is something I think Stars has done pretty badly, where they just jacked up the rake on all their tournaments. Um, you know, nothing against Stars. I have no problem with them. I have no problem with businesses making money. But at the same time, remember that first year, 7,800 plus 200 or like no rake effectively. Now it's 130 on a 1100 or $1,200, $1,100 buy-in tournament. That's rough. Plus they're probably also taking some percent for the, the dealers and all that. So maybe it's more like a 18% rake, who knows? It's not good. And I think that's quite bad. I think it's a bad look in general. And also I know the sites aren't trying to make money off these events anyway. So if they burn some money on these events, but give people a good time, then that's fine and good. I will say they did a good job of like giving away a lot of seats to stuff to people. So I mean, maybe they were giving away money to the people who perhaps wanted and or needed it. But I don't know if they needed to. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they need to be charging big rake on these things. Okay. Anyway, I arrived to the tournament venue. This was, I think, the first day there. Do I have the exact date? January 22nd. I don't know the exact date. Whatever. And I wasn't even planning on playing a tournament. But... They would not let me check into my room. This must have been the day I arrived. Because remember, they wouldn't let me check into my room because I got there too early at like 1 p.m. or something. So I went and I located my money. You always got to locate your money whenever you wire money in to any place, especially if you're going overseas. Sometimes it's a little bit tricky to, to locate your money. But I located my money quickly. 
think it was through Luxon Pay. They did they did, or Luxon. Rob Young's thing. It was excellent. They just got me my money in like five seconds, which was great. And then I had nothing to do for like two hours or three hours. They said they'd text me whenever my room was ready, but I'm not just gonna like hang around with my luggage and all this. Obviously, I could put my luggage away, but I decided to hop in the tournament. I'm like, okay, I'll play this 1K Turbo. But this was not a 1K Turbo. This was a three-day tournament. A three-day long tournament. Super long tournament. Far longer than it possibly should have been. 282 entries, 446,000 prize pool. Math not working. Well, I can explain the math. Probably people re-entered. They just didn't list three entries. As you can see here, they paid 63 people. That means they probably had about 500 entries total, which, counting for the rake, story checks out. When you get there early, slip the desk clerk a 20. They will let you check in, LOL. I know all the tricks, and sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Also, well, whatever. Um, anyway, I didn't plan on playing this tournament. And I think a lot of the other people didn't plan, plan on playing this tournament either. They did not realize this was a very, 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 slow structured event. But at the end of the day, a slow structured event is actually quite good for the good players. The problem though is it's only $1,100 buying tournament. So if I have a 100% ROI, would I sit there for what's probably going to be a 10 hour tournament on average, make a hundred bucks? Probably not because I, there are a lot of other tournaments that, that, um, that, you know, have to, there are a lot of other tournaments where you can probably make more money. Blaz Zerjow, last, last casher. Look at that. Here's Blaz right here. Blaz was one of my poker students for, for quite a while. He's a super crusher now. 270K in, on, in live caches, despite not really playing a whole lot of live. But he's cash slash won two gigantic online tournaments for like, here's one of them they listed at 500K right here. And he got like one point something million in another one. So that's good for him. Anyway, so yeah, there's Blaz. Stone last place casher. Ami Bar, good, strong opponent who's been around as long as me. Maybe longer. Only 3.7 in live, huh? He's one of the best online players. Super duper crusher. Who else we got? All right, we have Vincent Delgado. Good, strong online player. If you buy action on GG, you'll see his name sometimes. Young guy. Maybe not that young. So starting 2012, so that makes... You know, he must have been 18 then. So not too young, but whatever. Good opponent. We have uh, Bruno. Bruno, good, strong crusher. Online player, very tough to play against as well. As you can see, he's playing all these online tournaments. Very, very tough opponent. Maria Konnikova, she wrote a great book about poker. Check it out. But anyway, this tournament was a weird one because it was filled with literally a lot of the best players in the world and also a lot of players who qualified to this tournament for like 50 bucks. So it was a very, very, very weird field where some of the players were kind of in the same boat as me. They arrived and they were just trying to find something to do. And then there were some super duper crushers. Well, the super crushers. Then you had a bunch of very recreational players. So it was a really, really interesting scenario. And it was, it was a good tournament. It took fourth place. A few days later in the main event, I took ninth, which was definitely a bummer. Well, it's not a bummer. You can't really complain. Um, I feel like Matrosian was it that 1K is... It was in that, uh, he was in that 1K as well. I think he took second or third. Well, he might have been one of those weird unknown players. That's so weird. Like, why would they not have him listed? Because I know he was definitely at the final, at that table. And it was, I was like, yeah, you're in this tournament too. Great. Okay. Anyway, 
Uh, fast forward to this, playing the one, playing the 10K, nice, good tournament. And I want a bunch of hands, simple as that. Good tournament, huge tournament. Look at how many people cashed this thing. 127 people cashed. That means they had, well, it looks like about 80 something people. So definitely a big field and definitely a good score. Obviously I was hoping to win this tournament twice. I don't know if anybody's won this tournament twice. Maybe they have. It is actually crazy how often anomalies like that happen where the same person wins the same tournament by name multiple times. It's like random and rare. Crazy. Anyway, ninth place. When we were down to, I want to say, it must have been 10 people right here. We were down to 10 people. And I got in trouble. The floor man got mad at me. Now, what does Jonathan Little do to get the floor man mad at, mad at him? I've actually only had one penalty in my whole life. You know what I did to get a penalty? I was in the Bicycle Casino in Los Angeles. And I mucked my cards. I was sitting in, like, the fourth seat. And I mucked my cards into the muck pile. Somehow they went through the muck pile and off the table because there was like no rail by the dealer. And the cards went through the muck onto the floor. And apparently that's called throwing the cards at the dealer at the bicycle casino, which I'm sure in that venue they need to have such a rule. And they had a hard, hard uh, penalty back then. You throw the cards off the table, you get a one round penalty. I was livid. I did not get additional penalties. I accepted my penalty, but I was very unhappy about that. Here, I did not get a penalty, though. When we were down to 10 people, it must have been. Or what was must it have been? Maybe, no, you know what it was? It was it was right here with 12 people. There were 12 people left, and I had, like, 15 big blinds. Somebody else on my table had 15 big blinds. And then at the other table, someone was short-sacked. It must have been, hey, look at that, Sergi, same guy. Remember I told you this guy was a young player back in uh, 2000, playing at 5K? Way back here. One of his first good scores in 2015. Here he is again. I'm telling you, this guy's good. Um, taking 12th place. I think he was the short stack at the other table with like five big blinds or something. So when you and somebody else at your table have a medium stack, medium, 15 big blinds, like short, but somebody else is very shallow at the other table, you're highly incentivized to not get all in, right? So there was this hand where my opponent, I forget who it was, maybe this guy Mitchell, because I think he busted shortly after because he lost his hand. <laughs> um, he raised to two big blinds. I shoved with, I think I had ace-queen, standard shove, 15 big blinds. But I didn't shove, I left one chip behind, left one big blind behind. Got back around to him, he said, call, push this money in the pot. Like, slow down, buddy, because he covered me by like one big blind or something. And then I quickly explained to him, we're not all in. We need to play as slowly as we can because we were not hand for hand for whatever reason, as we should have been. And I'm like, we need to play as slowly as we can in this hand. So we actually checked it down with my one big blind left, as we should. And I think I actually bet on the river because I, I like, we, we somehow talked to each other and I figured out he had exactly 10s. So I think he knew I had ace queen. But uh, I ended up making a queen, I think. And I, I put the one value bet, one big blind value bet in on the river and he called. But anyway... In that period, while we were taking our full 30 seconds, which is our shot clock, they give you a shot clock in these tournaments, somebody at the other table busted. So now we know, don't bust this hand, right? Because if we just don't bust, we move up the payout and we get the free, whatever, what is it? 20,000 bucks. It was 20,000 bucks. So as I realized, like, I just made made us 18, whatever, 18,000 bucks divided by two because one of us is going to win the flip, one of us is going to lose the flip. And anyway... 
Uh, that hand took about three minutes at our table because it was my 30 seconds, his 30 seconds, my 30 seconds, his 30 seconds. Plus, we had a load of time banks because I, I play quickly and I didn't burn any of my time banks all day. So I had a bunch of those I was ready to use too if I needed to. And after that, the floor person got mad at me. They said, you cannot do that. I'm like, and then my obvious question is, if you say I have a 30-second shot clock, why cannot I use my 30-second shot clock? They don't have a good reason because there is no good reason. Besides, it's against the spirit of the game. But then also, I have all these time banks too. Don't give me time banks if I can't use my time banks as I see fit. I play super fast on purpose so that I can use them when I actually need them. And here's the time I need them. So what if I'm not really thinking? Are the time banks only for thinking? How can you determine when I'm actually thinking or when I'm not thinking, right? Anyway, they, they told us on the next day at the final table, any uh, all-in, anything that is effectively an all-in, we're going to consider an all-in. But they didn't realize, I don't think they realized that obviously I'm doing this because of the other person at the other table, right? I'm not stalling for the fun of it. I'm stalling because you set up the structure that incentivized me to stall. Don't do it, right? Don't set up a structure that incentivized me to make for bad TV, right? So anyway, they made for bad TV in that spot because of the structure they made. Obviously, if we're right here with a pal jump, they should um, they should go hand for hand, right? But even then, that would not have stopped me from stalling in this exact spot because say we were hand for hand, I need to see if this guy bust. So imagine he goes all in, plays his hand, and he does not bust, and he gets up to 10 big blinds or something. Now I'm, I get to play much more normally, right? Because now there are fewer short stacks effectively. So it's always in my best interest as the second or third shortest stack to see what happens to the shortest stack first, which is kind of a bummer, but that's what the incentives are, right? And you can't punish the players for the incentives you set up. Now you certainly can't have rules in place where if you're the second shortest stack and the shortest stack is at another table and uh, you know you have all these convoluted rules that will now say my time banks are worth five seconds instead of 30. Sure, I don't have a problem with that, but you can't like retroactively change the rules in the middle of the tournament, which is what they did. They said that, um, you know, far too late, that if you are effectively all in, you, your time banks are now worth five, five seconds and you have five seconds to act. But, like, I don't care because they've already, uh, <laughs> the damage has definitely been done. So anyway, for all the tournament directors out there, I would highly recommend you set up incentives that make logical sense. And if you do like, I mean, look, I'm all for like 15 seconds preflop. I think that's fine. I'm also for like a minute on the river because those spots are much more difficult, right? And they're, they're much more abnormal. How's the new cash game course coming? The new cash game course on pokercoaching.com will be out by the end of this month. Check that out. Okay. So that's it. That's my that's my uh, Bahamas success. We've had one excellent cash, three hundred seventeen thousand bucks. We've had a second place slash chop for one hundred five thousand bucks. Almost good in a twenty five k. Almost good in in a one k. Almost good in another ten k. Oh man! Every time I see this guy Nacho Barbero, we have a bit of a laugh about this. But in the twenty five k they had this year in the Bahamas. I, uh, we, we played with this guy. It's going to sound bad. I'm not trying to break people, but this guy must've been the worst poker player we've ever seen by a mile. And this guy, I forget who it is. He ended up final tabling. And I think he actually took one of the top spots. And this guy would like, he would just play bonkers. He'd be like three bet, four bet, five bet, everything. He, bu he busted me in a hand where he raised under the gun. I three bet with aces. He called, actually he didn't bust me on this hand, but he took a lot of my chips. 
uh, I had aces. He called. He had uh, the 9-3, 9-3 offsuit under the gun. And it comes, like, queen, 3-2. He checks. I bet. He minimum raises. I just put him in because, like, he's not folding ever with anything. He just snap called me off with a 9-3. He got another 3. That guy ended up almost winning the tournament, or maybe he won the tournament. Who knows? That was fun. So anyway, every time I see Nacho Barbero, who was at my table, um, we have a good, we have a, we have a, it's like, you don't, you don't run into players like that too often. Uh, but it's like, it was a lot of fun. It was a good time. And that, that guy won and I'm happy for him. I think a lot of people, they get unlucky and they get mad. They think, oh, how could this happen to me? But no, that's what you want. What are you looking forward to in this trip? I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. Here are all the tournaments I'm playing. This is the World Series of Poker Paradise put on by GG Poker. I have never been to a GG Poker live tournament stop. I don't know if they've had any, actually. So that I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully they do a good job. Here are the events I will most likely play. I arrive on December 3rd. There's a $1,650 mystery bounty tournament. Next day, $1,500 million maker. Next day, $26,000 buy-in. High roller championship. That'll be a good one, I'm sure. I think it has a very big guarantee as well. On the 5th, they also have a mini main event. I'm probably not going to play that, but you never know. On the 7th. They have a 3K six-handed. That'll be great. On the ninth, they have a 5K main event. That'll be great. They have an $800 flip-and-go. You got to be careful in these flip-and-goes. You can get in for a bunch of buy-ins. On the 13th, they have a 2K turbo. And then on the 14th, they have a 10K last chance. December 2024. Feels like 2024, doesn't it? 2023. In like a month. Less than a month. I'm very excited to go there. I actually like going to Atlantis. I know some people... Complain that it's a little bit expensive, which it is a little bit expensive, but I know they're going to have food for the players in the venue that will be free or cheap. That'll be good. That that alleviates that problem to some extent. It's, I mean, going to the beach is fun. I wake up every morning. I'll go swimming in the ocean. That's an enjoyable time. The tournaments are good. I fully expect GG Poker and World Series Poker to do a good job there taking care of the players. And I think it's going to be a fun time. They also have other high rollers, PLO tournaments, online tournaments, all that as well. I may or may not be playing those. We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know what it is? I think I just have very good nostalgia for the Bahamas. I mean, I like the country as well. I mean, I, I have uh, a lady named Cheryl Fox Ferguson. Cheryl Ferguson. She is like the best tour guide slash driver ever. I was rooming with Shannon Shore and Adam Geyer, maybe, I don't know, 12 or 15 years ago, off property. And... Um, it was, she was like renting out the house or something, but she would pick us up every morning and take us to the casino and back every day. And, and this was like back then she had, she was just herself driving around people. And now she has, I don't know, 10 or 15 cars of people, you know, driving around everybody around the city. She knows everybody. She's a ton of fun. I love Cheryl. If you're going to go there, look up Cheryl Ferguson in the Bahamas. She can give you a tour around the, uh, around the country. It's great. So anyway, that's fun. They have Collect Gold. You all have ever had a Collect Gold? Don't drink too many of these. They're a beer with double alcohol, and they take, taste delicious. And they have them in Atlantis, so that's good. I'm very confident that whenever I show up, Cheryl will have me a click gold ready to go. Probably exactly what you need right before the Mystery Bounty Tournament. <laughs> so that's fun. They have a lot of nice restaurants there, which is good. Just hanging out with poker players randomly you would not normally see, that's fun and good. It's just like a fun time. It's almost like summer camp or something, as weird as it sounds. It, to be fair, it used to be really like summer camp. I remember in the lobby of the Coral Lounge, uh, the Coral Hotel, people would just like ha have all their computers set up and they would all be playing poker. 
sometimes heads up against one another right in front of each other. It was a lot of fun. And I don't know, it's cool. It's a cool experience. And I think this event is going to be kind of like that, uh, a recreation of, call it the good old days, where there's going to be a lot of online qualifiers there, a lot of people playing online tournaments together in lobbies and whatnot, you know, not cheating, but, you know, like, just there's going to be good camaraderie. And this venue kind of forces the players to run into each other a lot. The venue is long and skinny, the, the whole hotel. So you're going to walk past a bunch of people. You're going to say hello. You're going to talk to people. You're going to hopefully make some plans with people. And you make good friends. I made a bunch of lifelong friends in the Bahamas. I mean, thinking back to this, very first time I went with Shannon Shore. And I mean, Shannon Shore is the best man at my wedding. Tom Dwan, we're good friends. And Peter Jetton. I haven't seen Peter in a long time. I actually saw him randomly at, at the win the other day. And just like we, we picked it up after not seeing each other for a few years. That was, that was cool. And Andrew Robel, same thing, right? And you make these lifelong friends that stay friends no matter where you end up going or or whatnot, right? And that's good. That's good. Making friends is good. And I don't know if there's a better place to make friends than the Bahamas, as weird as it sounds, because of the way the venues lined up, the way they have a lot of tournaments all going on at the same time, and the way that you're... You can't really... You can get off the property and go do a lot of things. There's actually a restaurant called Greycliff. If you're going, check out Greycliff. It's fantastic. Also expensive, but fantastic. Um, but there's not a lot to do off property to some extent. I mean, I'm sure there's tons to do off the property, but none of the poker players do it to some extent. They just make good use of Atlantis. And that's good, right? I mean, it, it makes you interact. And, you know, having to interact is, it creates a really good time. Any advice for new dads? Uh, whenever I had my first kid, I stayed up all night. My wife stayed up all day. Plus, she had to wake up at night sometimes. And that worked out pretty well. I ended up writing a book. I have a new book, by the way. Check it out. Check it out. 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. This will be coming out right around the time of the Bahamas. Maybe a little bit before. You can order it on Amazon or DB Poker right now. I wrote a book kind of like this one. And that's good. Yeah, start a 529 college plan. Good advice. If you want your kid to go to college, start a college savings plan now and you don't pay taxes on that money. Maybe not ever, I don't think. Or maybe you maybe pay on it kind of like a 401k when you cash it out as opposed to now immediately. To do that, is this book more cash or tournaments? Both. This is a collection of 100 articles slash concepts that you need to know to win at poker. But it definitely discusses both. I gotta go. I'm gonna go list some of my action for this tournament and maybe a few more on pokerstake.com right now. You can go there. You can buy the action. You can get in there. I wanna give all of you a sweat. If you're here with me today right now, you have first dibs. Good luck. Have fun. Make the most of your opportunities. Thank you for being here. If you're a poker coaching member, we have a poker coaching homework webinar happening literally right now. So I hope you enjoy it. Oh yeah. Help your mom change the diapers and uh, be a good dad. Be hands-on. Get in there and enjoy it. Good luck. Thanks for being here. I'll talk to all of you next time. And if, if you see me in the Bahamas, make sure you say hi. Bye-bye.